This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 30th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, I can only hope that last week was as pleasant a twist for you as it was fun for me. I hope, too, that you learned a bit more about me and my franchise journey, and that you will seek out more of Jack Munson's content on his social geek network. So, as you heard if you listened, exciting times are ahead for Dave Pasgan, Graham Chapman, and yours truly. We are literally days away from rolling out the Zor Forum franchise opportunity. For several months now, I've been airing commercials here on Franchise Today to attract emerging franchisors to learn more about our forum-oriented peer groups exclusively for emerging franchisors. Now, it's time to do the same with my peer group of franchise suppliers and professionals and invite you to learn more about our franchise opportunity that will enable some to add another feather to their quivers and others to perhaps take this on as a full-time endeavor. Either is okay fine with us and we'll pay it forward to the benefit of the emerging franchisors that you may serve as a Zor Forum franchisee. Mind you, this is not an offering for the sale of a franchise. That said, be watching and listening for more, as Graham, Dave, and I will have documents and supporting information to share with interested, qualified, prospective Zor Forum chapter leaders and franchisees in the days ahead. Now, on to today's program. For over 30 years, Pizza Factory has stayed true to its roots. Hardworking owners and staff, family-friendly dining, and a high-quality product make them who they are. They take great pride in the smile that the first bite of their pizza brings to the faces of their guests, and they strive to make everyone feel as if this is their hometown pizzeria. Their motto says it all. We toss them, they're awesome. Hand-tossed pizzas that are simply the best. Each bubbly cheesy pie is made with 100% real mozzarella cheese and their signature sauce. It's hard to say what makes it so delicious. The dough, the sauce, or is it the fresh toppings? Or perhaps it's all of the above. I'm back in two minutes or less with Mary Jane Riva, CEO of Pizza Factory, to break it all down. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zor Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. 
Mary Jane Riva became president and chief executive officer of the Oakhurst, California-based Pizza Factory in September 2012, after she and her husband Bob acquired the Pizza Factory Incorporated franchising system from founders Daniel and Carol Wheeler and Ronald Willie. But she was a Pizza Factory franchisee well before then. In fact, the Rivas have owned Pizza Factory restaurants as franchisees for nearly 33 years and continue to do so to this very day. Always focused on unit-level economics and franchisee success, Pizza Factory recently introduced a new, streamlined express model to service the growing off-premise market segment in addition to their larger footprint dine-in restaurants. QSR Magazine has already heralded the brand as the next big thing in pizza, and here to talk about it all is none other than Mary Jane herself. Mary Jane Riva, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. I can't imagine somebody who's had as illustrious a career as yours that hasn't yet been on franchise today. It's just not right, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a story that started a long time ago and never thought I'd be where I am and happy to say that the journey has certainly had its ups and downs, but it's not a journey I would not want to ever take again because it's certainly been worth it. You're a lifer in pizza and I'm going to ask you, as I do every week, to help the audience understand how franchising found you when that was and what it was you were doing whenever that fateful day came. (laughs) You know, it actually, it's funny because I started out in high school. I'm going a little further back. I started out in high school working for a donut shop. Fast forward till I was 20 and bottom line, I was given an opportunity and that's what happens in our lives. Lucky for all of us is that we get opportunities, doors open and somebody comes into our life that allows us to see what we really maybe want to do with our life. And this gentleman offered me a donut shop at a deal that I couldn't pass up. And it was my first experience being an entrepreneur. It was MJ's Donuts and Cookies. I started out with that for three years and that's where I got the bug as far as being an entrepreneur or being a business owner. So that's where it started. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to all that stuff. I just was working my way through trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Then after I sold that, my sister and brother were involved in pizza and that's how I got into Pizza Factory with my husband, Bob. Back in 1988, we signed our first lease. Back then, when you signed a lease, it was quite a while before you opened your store. So two years later, we opened up our first store in Southern California. And from there, we grew within the area, eventually developed five other stores in the area, anywhere from 1,500 square feet to 5,000 square feet. So that's how we got involved in Pizza Factory, was choosing that brand because of family. And eventually, 2012, after working as a franchisee, I had been on the marketing team for the company, been an area developer, had tried my hand in a few different areas, but the founders were getting ready to retire. They had been doing it since 1978, done a great job, but they retired. They were done. Keeping up with the technology was something they just didn't want to take on. So they approached my husband and I in 2012, wanted to know if we would be interested in purchasing the franchise. So as most people would do, we took a vacation (laughs) to sit back and go, okay, we have to think about this and decide whether or not we were up in age. We weren't in our 30s or 40s. And basically, my husband, after talking about it for a couple of weeks, trying to decide if we wanted to take this next journey, he said to me, Bob says to me, he says, well, what do you expect from me? And I said, well, I don't really expect anything. And he says, then you go for it. <laughs> so his goal has always been to be my supporter and he has the toughest job. He does a great job of it. Yeah. So that's kind of how we got started. Bob said, it's okay. This is a good idea as 
long as you understand you're getting into the pizza business, I'm not. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he was, you know, he was pretty much retired at this point and dealing with the stores had, you know, like everybody, restaurant is very hard work. And he was pretty much resigned to the idea that if I wanted to take on this next challenge, he would be supportive. And he does do that wonderfully. And he helps. Don't get me wrong. He helps. But it's just, it's always been kind of a funny thing in our family because he said, hey, as long as you don't expect too much from me, you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your brother and sister? Were they pizza factory yeah. also? Or were they just in the pizza business? No, pizza factory also still are. And so I have one other brother that didn't get into it. But yeah, so that's a little bit of a family in there doing it. But it's certainly, it's always been a great organization. And it's always been the product is what basically drew us to it because the product is outstanding. It's, it's a great culture. So it was just when we decided to take the next journey of owning the corporation, we're still franchisees. We still own stores. That's one thing that we both agree on that in order for us to be able to really still walk the walk with the franchisees, even though we've done it for 20 years already, but still to really still have some skin in the game, I guess we need to have stores and still understand what the challenges are because we own a store, not because we're sitting back and we remember what it was like 20 mm -hmm. years ago, but because we're in it still now. How many stores do you operate? We have right now four stores. One of them is a corporate store that we inherited. We actually had more at one time, but I can't have five, six stores. It's just too much for me to, to handle plus be able to do this job. So we sold some of them off to our managers. In fact, all of our stores, when we sell them, we sell them to our managers. And so right now we're left with four and we're kind of grooming some of our managers to be able to become owners as well. And so it's kind of pay it forward. That's how I got started back. That's why I like to tell the journey of my first business. Somebody opened a door for me and somebody was gracious enough to give me an opportunity to something that they thought I might be able to do and take over. And so that's what we try to do with the managers. Well, I think that's a great culture. I mean, it speaks volumes to your culture. And I think that having a couple of stores is always a good idea so that you've got a laboratory. You can try things in company stores before you mm -hmm. roll them out to franchisees. But I think you've made a very valid point that is a good point to share with the audience is that you've got two full-time jobs if you're operating any more than a few stores. And then you're splitting your time and you're robbing Peter to mm -hmm. pay Paul, right? I remember when I was with Wing Zone, if we had somebody not show up for a shift, you had to pull somebody from your field ops team that should have been communicating with many franchisees in any given day, who all of a sudden got yanked to run a store today instead. And in the same eight hours that he's taking care of my company store, he should have been in touch with many people in the field and franchisees instead. And you kind of wind up in a place where you got yin and yang, and it's hard to, to it ignore the, the need of the moment, but that's not healthy, is it? No, you know, it's kind of like when you own your own business, you get torn between your family and your business. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got kids and sometimes you have to go to work and you don't, you feel like you're not spending enough time with your kids. It's, that's kind of an analogy I put with it that the franchisees, what I am very fortunate though, is the staff here at the office, the team that I work with, they help in so many areas with uh, helping me with these stores, but the management that we have in our stores, one of them, the Sholo store, he's been there over 20 years. One of my other stores, he's been there over 20 years. So I've been very fortunate that the stores I do have, I've got a great management and a great crew at the stores, but also the corporate team here, they can jump in and help me when needed, you know, whether it's marketing or putting out a fire or something. So I, I have been very, very, very lucky and um, very appreciative of the people that are helping to me to do this because I certainly, there's 
there's nothing I'm doing on my own. It's always because of the people that are around me. So when you became a franchisee in the very beginning, what stage of maturity and growth was Pizza Factory at then? You know, back in 1990, it was still fairly, it was only at the time that it started franchising in 85. So it wasn't too old, but we were still in a great atmosphere of growth. And the technology back then really wasn't that kicked in or dialed into restaurants yet. So it wasn't too big of a deal that we didn't have things. But then as it got to be maybe five, 10 years in, okay, the POS systems were getting much more prevalent in, in business. You had online ordering, you had all these things that were starting to happen. And that's where the decline in keeping up with stuff with the former owners, who, by the way, I'm still very good friends with, and totally in agreement that they knew they needed to move on and let somebody come in. So I'm not saying anything that's dogging on them by any means, because I, I appreciate them as well. But the company started getting to that point where I knew what we were trying to do at our stores because we were in Southern California, Temecula, Marietta. Those were pretty big towns. They were getting up to 125,000 people and things were changing and it was changing around us instead of within the company. So that was the big deal when we purchased is basically taking that first week I already had an agenda, but what were all the things that we felt we needed to do to support the franchisees better, make us more competitive and keep us in the game with what's going on? You have to keep up or you're going to get lost. You're going to get lost in the dust. What about culturally? Was the no bully zone something that was there already, or did that come later with you taking over the chain? Talk a little about the brand itself and the progression of the brand. Yeah, you know, the the no bully zone actually started in our Temecula store, and it was when we were franchisee, we were not the corporate owners. And what brought that up for us was there's so many kids that work in our restaurants, and there's so many kids that come into our restaurants because it's pizza. It's a family place. Not to say that the adults didn't need as much awareness about anti-bullying because there's plenty of adults out there that participate in bullying as well, but we focused more on the kids and going to schools. And I wanted the culture of my restaurants when a new employee would come into our store, doesn't know anybody, and he goes to or she goes to a high school where he may not even know who these other people are. They don't run in the same crowds and they feel very alienated. And that always bothered me. It bothered me if kids I felt were just kind of not friendly enough to the new person because everybody remembers their first job, how scary it is and how you just feel like you're just really not a part of the group. So that's where it started. And then it just kept blossoming into, like I said, going to the schools, talking to kids, having programs and just bringing awareness to everybody that comes into our store or works at our store that bullying is not allowed. So that's how it started. When we got into the corporate part, of it. We continued the program and made it much larger. We started taking, uh, we had benches made and it says friends are awesome. And we go to school still and we present a bench to schools in our local communities. We do a whole, what's the word? I'm, I've got the kids all together. The words escape escaping me right now. Assembly, assemblies. But it's usually like kindergarten to fourth or fifth graders is what we would see come. And mm -hmm. they would sit and listen and they would engage with us and we would get programs started and just talk to them about using the bench 
And it wasn't just directed at kids that are being bullied. It's also directed at the kids that are the bullies. Because if we don't talk to the kids that are the bullies and see what is causing that, then there's always going to be an issue because they're probably need as much help as the kids that are being bullied because there's obviously something really going on with them. So anyways, I could go on and on about the anti-bully program because it's really near and dear to me. My son experienced it a lot. My son is gay and he had to go through that whole thing, especially being in a Christian school. So he experienced a lot. So there was there was a lot of things that drove us to want to really be passionate about it. But just the world in general, you know, kindness is not something that is in the forefront of people's minds, unfortunately. It's really fallen short in our society. And anyway, so we're just really big into that. We're also into the No Kid Hungry, making sure that the kids in our communities are fed. We've recently started partnering with One Tree Planet because the environment as well is something that we want to be a part of to make sure that we're doing our part. So we do fundraisers or not really fundraisers. We'll do a, you know, buy an extra large pizza. For every extra large pizza we did a few months ago that was purchased, the company would plant a tree. Mm -hmm. So we do stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that we're involved in, but community is a big deal. You have to go into community feeling like you're part of it and not expected from your community to support you. It goes both ways. So, and that's one culture that definitely carried over from the founders is the sense of community and the importance of it. I'll tell you what, let's do MJ and I can call you MJ, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, I want us to have a deeper discussion about the pizza factory pre and post COVID. You're a hot ticket right now. Industry trades are talking you up. And I have a suspicion that this new express model that you're bringing to market might have a little to do with the last year and a half of lessons learned in COVID. And I want us to get into the difference between the original 3,500 or 4,000 square foot footprint and what you're doing now and how well the two can complement and work with each other. So we got a lot to unpack, but let's take a quick break and we're back with Mary Jane Riva, CEO and franchisee of Pizza Factory. Franchise Today will be right back, but first a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. Instead of 
watching the clock and their wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. And my conversation continues with Mary Jane Riva, CEO of The Pizza Factory, who I prefer to call MJ, and thankfully she considers me a friend and allows me to do so. (laughs) So MJ, let's talk about life pre-COVID. You guys had about a 3,500 or a 4,000 square foot footprint, and you were doing dine-in as well as carry-out or delivery, I assume. Talk about what Pizza Factory's trajectory was looking like before COVID, and then take us through some understanding of the things that happened, how the impacted you and your franchisees and the adjustments that you had to make to be in the place you're at today? Yeah, pre-COVID, boy, it seems like a long time ago, sure but uh, I know it's it's amazing how much time seems has gone by, but pre-COVID, yeah, our, our stores were party rooms and we would have arcades and yes, the dine-in, delivery, pickup, so on. And we had some stores, we were getting into online ordering. A lot of our stores had it as we were rolling it out. But of course, you've got all these things that you need to do. So it was taking some time. But then all of a sudden, COVID hits. And it was like, everybody knows, it was like everything. It was like the floor dropped out. What's happening? What's going on? Do stores stay open? What are we going to do? The first thing we did is started having webinars and talking to our franchisees and ensuring them that we are going to handle finding out what's going on and making sure that they're aware and what they need to do. We fortunately, like pizza brands, if not all of them, we already had delivery in place. I can tell you those franchisees that did not have online ordering or that were on the fence, they were all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork and everybody wanted online ordering. Thank goodness, because that was a lifesaver for many of our stores. The staffing, uh, I mean, everything about COVID was so scary. So many unanswered questions on what was going to happen, let alone what do we do now. It was trying to figure out how do we support the franchisees and how do we, quite honestly, keep them calm? Because everybody, it's your business, it's your livelihood, what's going to happen? So we did our best in that area and we literally had to sometimes more podcast webinars a week, making sure all materials were out to them and telling them, talking to them about curbside. You know, we implemented curbside, which was used somewhat, but surprisingly not as much as I thought it would be. But delivery obviously improved tremendously. Our stores after the initial probably two months just took off running and our sales just were going through the roof. And it, it was baffling because it was like, okay, where is this all coming from? But the reality is there's so many other people that were closing and that weren't allowed to stay open. So we, like I said, we had franchisees that were seeing numbers and still are today seeing numbers they haven't seen in 10 years. So it was real a real trying time. It still is. And we're still navigating our way across it. But one thing that we did realize, and not just because of COVID, but just the whole labor issue right now is that there needs to be a model that we can introduce that would allow franchisees to either complement their area because now they're busy and they want to grow. And we have other people that want to join our brand. And the express model is a model that less labor, less money to get into, somewhat easier to 
and I say somewhat because it's still a restaurant, but somewhat easier without having a dining room to operate and have multiple units. So we worked on getting that rolled out and any other programs we just pushed on all the other programs we had, you know, what was one of the really other factors that helped us a lot. Usually our mailers, you know, the door mailers that you send out to people's mm-hmm. houses wasn't working as well pre-COVID. And all of a sudden that is just going crazy now. Everybody's in their house. So there was things that we learned about marketing. There was things we learned about operations. Staffing is the big issue right now, but Staffing is a big issue huge. Right, right now because oh, with the government's making it easier to stay home than to work. Oh, but, it's, but, yeah. But what about during the height of the crisis? You're employing young people, I'm sure, in most of your restaurants where your franchisees are. Mm-hmm. And so how did you overcome parents going, you're not going anywhere. What do you mean you're going to work? Mm-hmm. What was that like? You know, as a parent myself and sympathetic to the fear that everybody was having about not knowing what this virus actually was doing or not doing, if the kids didn't come to work, the owners are making up some of the hours. Other employees were kicking in and working more hours. So a lot of employees that were maybe part-time were now full-time. And it was just trying to work around the issues. And it gets to some stores where the labor issue got to some stores to where modifying hours was necessary to do. We allowed that. We weren't going to make stores stay open till 10 o'clock, let's say. We say, you know, close at eight if that gives you a break. Because a lot of it is now they're working so hard, they just need a break somewhere. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to take a breather. I remember speaking to Steve Jackson at Hungry Howie's and similarly, everybody was worked to the bone and Mm -hmm. you couldn't get people to let their kids come to work. So I think that they did similar things. They reduced their hours to a single shift to try to get everybody to work one single shift in the most important hours of the day instead of trying to spread too thin and, and work everybody to the bone. They couldn't, they just couldn't hold that pace. Yeah. And, you know, for us, the other thing that it's funny because basically our stores went from a dine-in layout to they were an express unit. Now yeah, there's no more dine-in. So all you're doing is just take out curbside and delivery. So basically you've got all the square footage and you're not using it anyway. So that, that part of the staffing helped. You don't have the salad bar anymore. You didn't have the buffet anymore. So you're just basically operating an express unit, but you have a heck of a lot more square footage that you're paying on. So there's other things where it got heavier in one area, well, you're able to lighten up here because now you don't have the party rooms and and so on, all the people coming in. But yeah, and then if somebody got sick, it's what do we do? It's just been a a very tough year for everybody. Our franchisees have stepped up and done an awesome job, but I sympathize with the stresses that they've had and continue to have today with the uh, labor situation. What about windows? Do you have drive-thrus? Are you like end caps or? We do have some drive-thrus that we already had. Those obviously also something that kicked in and we're a little busier, but we still, delivery was a big deal. Our third-party delivery system where we weren't using them too much, that kicked in more, but it's still primarily our own delivery that is really sustaining us. We we don't see a huge all third-party by any means. And so the numbers were normally it may have been a third, a third, a third, or a little bit more dine-in than a third. Now it was basically, you know, half and half on delivery and pickup. So it really just changed the whole dynamics of everything and wearing masks was tough for the employees. You know, they're backed by an oven. And how do you how do you manage? They're, they're going 90 miles an hour with sales that, you know, we we're having 19% increases. Some stores were having 50, 60% increases. And and you got employees back there that are working their tails off and they've got to have this mask on that you can't breathe. So it's been very trying and we're anxious that the dining rooms are starting to open again, but it's not over. It's just hopefully the light is getting brighter at the end of the tunnel for everybody. I'm curious about Kirby. 
curbside and why that didn't kick into higher gear for you? What do you think that's caused by? You know what? That's so that that's always been a baffling uh, thing for me as well. It's why did it not? I mean, obviously it did work in some stores. Obviously it worked better than others, but overall it wasn't like all of a sudden we went, wow, this is huge. People still came into the stores and picked up their food or they, like I said, delivery picked up, but people still came into their stores. So we even had it set up to where, you know, you could order online and just, you let us know when you're there and you don't have to pay because that's kind of an issue for people at curbside. Like now Mm -hmm. we've got to pay. And so it was making it easier. Same as outside dining. We had it set up to where they never had to come in and order. Everything was done remotely through their phones. It was finding those ways around of keeping people out of the inside of the store and still being able to have an experience for those that wanted to do outdoor dining. It's still trying to create an experience in which it's really difficult, but I don't know. The curbside, it, it baffles me, but just wasn't a huge, huge thing for most of us. My word of the year for 2020 was pivot. And uh. my word of the year for 2021 is frictionless. Uh. And that's what, that's what you're describing is frictionless yeah. transactions and making it easier mm-hmm. for people to have less touch point to yeah. be able to feel safe and trust that you're going to keep them safe. So I think that's a pretty cool idea. What about this new model? So talk about the Express model. Are you going to continue to roll out the 3,500 or 4,000 square foot restaurants as well? Or are you going to go exclusively to the Express? And are you bringing existing franchisees into the conversation, I guess, would make the most sense in my mind to give them an opportunity to grow into an Express as well? No, we will never just go Express. Our culture and our whole foundation is community and being the place for your community to come, their pizzeria, their place to have their birthday parties, their anniversaries, their after football games, after Little League games. They come there. We'll always have that. We still have people opening those that size. Definitely not in the four and 5,000 square foot right now for sure, but still 25 to 32, 3,400 square feet is is definitely doable. The express model is 1,000 to 1,500 square feet. We partnered with Rubber and Road and they designed the unit for us. And we already have some that are getting ready to open. We're going into Georgia, Texas. We have one going in Washington. And what we did was we took the model and we tried to incorporate our culture into it, still making it everything about our bully program, everything about community is still resonated throughout the store in what we did because we don't want Pizza Factory Express to be a complete different unit from where we came from. It's an additional opportunity for existing franchisees to grow in their existing markets or just to become multi-unit operators. If we have a store, for instance, we have one of our existing franchisees that has a 3,500 square foot sit down, but he knows he has a lot of guests that are on the outlying areas that he just can't deliver to from there. So he's looking at opening an express to complement his people that want to come to him for dine-in. They still can, but if they're out far enough, he can still also deliver to them. So for the franchisees, we have we have a program for them, an incentive program to help them to grow and to take this model and start complementing either their areas or like I said, just become multi-unit operators. For new prospects, franchisees coming in, the ability to to do two, three, four, and more of these is very appealing. Those multi-unit operators out there that are already been doing that, because most of our stores are, most of them, we have about a third of our franchisees are multi-unit operators, but most of them are owner-operator. The model is we designed it to have less equipment 
we designed it to be as efficient as we know we we think it can be and should be. Changing the one thing that's always bothered me with my stores is delivery drivers going out back doors. And in some areas, it's even more scary to have any of your employees going out back doors into a dark parking lot at night. So the focus was to keep the delivery drivers in the front of the store. Their cars are out there. Their signs are on there. You're not only getting advertisement for people going in these centers. They see Pizza Factory now on the cars as well, but it helps with the safety of the drivers because that's that's just something that is a concern anymore. It always is, but it's it seems more so right now. Sure. So we changed that and we're, you know, we have a window for a third party so that they're not mixing in. I don't like the third party drivers to be mixed in with the guests that are coming in to order or pick up their pizza. I don't like third party mixed in with them. I'd like them to be able to go over to another window and not have to worry about any kind of situation where they're both in the same line. So that's what came of that. And it's going over really well. It's very exciting. We're excited for it. We're seeing a lot of interest. You know, we're going out to or Georgia in a few weeks and we're going to be doing a discovery day out there and once that store's open we'll do it again so we're kind of hitting the road and showing people what we have we've been around for a long time we've withstood everything that's gone on in the last 30 35 years and we're still here and we're proud of that and we're proud of our product and we just want to bring it to more people what about non-traditional do you do any or do you have any designs or thoughts about doing campus or arenas or airports? Yeah, we actually have a prospect right now that's talking to us about airports. And that's one thing that I definitely can say about Pizza Factory. We are not cookie cutter. There's nothing about us that is cookie cutter organization. You know, most of us here have been franchisees that work in the office. Our model is always flexible. If somebody comes to us and say, hey, I have a conversion or I want to try it here, or I've got this C store that I want to do it. We're open to anything. We don't look at anything as a no. We look at it and see if there's a possibility. I don't like to go into anything with closed-minded and say, no, we can't do that. I don't know that. I don't have all the answers. So we're very flexible at looking to see where people want to go. It's kind of interesting and fun because there's ghost kitchens. There's all kinds of stuff yes. out there right now. Yes. The company and the stores are doing so well. It's just uh, our franchisees are ready to grow and it's just a really exciting time. When you come to Georgia, I'm hoping I get a phone call. You bet. <laughs> I tell you, I'm, I'm going to be there the uh, 20, around the 23rd. I think the discovery day is on that Friday of July. Doing it in Atlanta or where? Atlanta. Perfect. Yeah. I'm looking for a phone call and certainly hope that you and Laura Tanaka will both be here. I don't know if Laura's coming, but <laughs> you'll have to just suffer with just me. Well, that won't be too tough to do. <laughs> MJ, anything I haven't asked you that you wish that I did? You know, I think that the only thing that I would like to share, it's hard for people to get too excited about sales increases when they go, yeah, but it's been after COVID, but our sales right now are, are beating what we were doing five and 10 years ago. So it's not even that we're better than we did in COVID. So there's definitely a trend that's happening. And for our company to be up at 20% so far this year for same store sales, that's pretty awesome. So it's great stuff that's going on. We're looking forward to anybody that wants to join us. We are also have a great franchise system of franchisees. And we're looking for people that want to join that, that want to be a part of a growing brand, even though we've been around for a while, but we're on the road to grow. And we have a great, great system of franchisees that we're looking for people to join that and be a part of this. Well, when you have a great concept and the food and product is superior, and then you've got a 
culture that matches that, it stands the test of time. How do people find you if they want more information, MJ? They can either call the office at 1-800-654-4840, or obviously Laura would be the best. Laura Tanaka at pizzafactoryinc.com. She is awesome. She's a great asset to the company and she handles bringing new people in. I sit in on the calls. We do CEO calls and get to know people. And yeah, you'll find us. We've got a website, pizzafactoryfranchises.com as well. And look forward to having some great people join us. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you when you come to Atlanta. And I'm looking forward to you having success while you're here so that I too can start enjoying the Pizza Factory experience. Mary Jane, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you so much, Stan. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me. It's always a pleasure. Well, that's all we have time for today. But before we go, we'd like to send our best wishes to Franchise Today founder, Paul Segreto, and his wife, Lorene, who is recovering from a heart attack and stroke. But the doctors are all confident that she's doing quite well and in for a full recovery. So, Paul, Lorene, all the best to you on the road to recovery. And we'll be back to do it all again next Wednesday at noon Eastern. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.